0: Welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt.
1: And I am Courtney.
0: We are gonna continue our critical thinking series after we talk about what we do here.
1: We talk about the do do's and don't do's of personalized learning.
0: You know what, we sure do.
1: Yep. So we have been in a series about critical thinking. You've heard some interviews with amazing thinkers and leaders. We're so excited and we have many more to come. But this week we're going to um, bring it back to the good old Matt and Courtney <laughs> podcast. Yeah, <it's,
0: laughs> we're going to talk amongst ourselves today.
1: Yeah. Um, we are going to talk about critical thinking. We thought it would be good to maybe talk a little bit about critical thinking skills and give you all some of the the do do's and don't do's that we love to talk about. So we're going to talk about the do do's and don't do's of a particular critical thinking skill today.
0: Is it something that teachers can do in their class tomorrow?
1: Yeah, it is. Nice. It absolutely is. Nice. Yeah. So, Matt, how often did you talk about comparing and contrasting when you were a teacher? Oh, never. Good point. You're a math teacher.
0: That is just a myth right there. Because <laughs> clearly I'm joking. And yeah, we talked about that all the time. Right. Uh, depending on on what we were talking about, of course. It, it doesn't relate sure. to everything. But there are plenty of times we could use the same type of skills that you can learn in other subject areas.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, comparing and contrasting is one of those cross-cutting skills that no matter what content area you're in, you're probably going to expect kids to do it at some point. Right. What do you think of when you think of compare and contrast?
0: Oh, this one's easy. This one's easy. So I was taught in teacher prep school all the time Uh that there's one way to do compare and contrast. And it was so easy being a math teacher. Uh, We use Venn diagrams, Courtney. (sighs) Oh, whoa, whoa, you're sighing?
1: About I'm sighing. Venn but diagrams. Venn diagrams. I that's how I learned too. That was absolutely touted as the way to do compare and contrast. And I do think that there are times when a Venn diagram can work. However, uh-oh. Most of the time for what we actually want learners to be doing with compare and contrast, a Venn diagram is actually not the best way to do it. I I would actually go so far as to say that it is a weak way and a confusing way. And there are just way cooler ways to use Venn diagrams. Just like Venn diagrams themselves are amazing and really cool. And if you've ever read the book, The Fault in Our Stars, you know what I'm talking about. Venn diagrams can be used in such creative and insightful ways, well beyond compare and contrast. And we should use them for that. We should stop using them for compare and contrast.
0: I think Courtney's planting a flag here.
1: <laughs> I I think I just did. Yeah. I, I just did. Not a fan of the Venn diagram.
0: All right. So let's talk about some of the ways that it can be better than when we talk about comparing and contrasting.
1: Okay. So the point of comparing and contrasting is to take two things and then look at them along a series of characteristics. Or th- across a series of characteristics. Mm-hmm. So a Venn diagram doesn't really let you do that, unless you're going to be very kind of anal about it and like make sure, well, if you put one line having to do with this particular criteria in this circle, you also have to put it in the other circle and blah, 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 blah which is what makes it cumbersome.
0: Right, it seems like it's uh, very controlling by the teacher.
1: Yeah, it, it's just not, it, I don't think a Venn diagram is a, is a graphic organizer that really sets learners up to compare and contrast in a thoughtful, thorough way that actually gets to the heart of what comparing and contrasting is. Right, well, right. like a, I said-
0: Basic version, maybe? Like it's, a, it's a very a, it's,
1: basic version. It's,
0: it's a beginning, but we want more than that when we compare. Super
1: a beginning. And I, you know what, like what we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about something called a comparison matrix. Okay. And uh, you can do this with kindergartners. Sure. So it's not even like, you know, oh, just the young learners should be using Venn diagrams. Um, I, I really wanna push everybody that if you're going to do something having to do with compare and contrast, just ditch the Venn diagram and use a comparison matrix. Okay. So we'll talk through one. Right. And so like I always say, or Matt and I always say, when you are using a new process, start with content, you know, let's, let's compare and contrast dogs and cats. Okay. We're going to compare them, compare and contrast them as pets to be even more specific. Okay. All right. So imagine making a grid. So we only have two things we're comparing. So there's going to be three columns. The first column will be all of your criteria. Okay. Your second column will be cats. Your third column will be dogs. Okay. Follow along at home. Go ahead and make that chart, right? So you've got three, three columns. Um, I don't know how many rows we'll use. Let's say, let's go with three rows just, okay. just to say we have three rows. Okay. So yes. what are the characteristics that we would like to use in our comparison?
0: And you said these are for pets, right?
1: Pets, cats and dogs as pets. Okay. So maybe we do exercise. Okay. So the second row of the first column, write in exercise. That'll be the first criteria we compare dogs and cats on. Okay. The third column, um, third row, let's write friendly. Oh, okay. Like disposition. Disposition.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's do that one.
1: Disposition. And then the final one could be cost.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's uh, a good one. That's a really good one.
1: Cost. Yep. Okay. Pet. Yep. All right, so now we've got our setup across the top. We have blank, cat, dog, and then along the the first column we have, along the side we have blank. We said exercise, disposition, and then the last one is cost. Cost. All right, so now let's think about cats, right? So it's a matrix. So we're gonna come to the box where cat and exercise meet. And we're gonna kind of write in what we know about what kind of exercise cats need? Okay. Um, so I'm going to write in there like sporadic playtime, mm-hmm. and not much else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do my cats do?
1: Right. Uh... <laughs> and
0: yeah, really lay in the sun.
1: Yeah. That's not <laughs> yeah. Lay fun. in the sun. All right. Sunbathing. Okay. So
0: yeah. So sporadic, sporadic playtime.
1: Sporadic playtime. Okay. That's what we're. Um. We might even put in there like independent play toys right? Like okay. cats will play with things by themselves, right? Yep. And then we might also put like interactive play toys. Okay. And maybe maybe we're jotting in some examples of these things too. Like I'm thinking of that, like, you know, the feather on the stick thing that you yep. can make cats jump with, right? But then listeners, I'm also-
0: Listeners, we're both waving our hands right yeah,
1: now. Yeah, we're both waving our hands like ding, 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 <laughs> ding, And the cat's jumping at it. And then I'm also thinking of like, just like those simple little mouse toys, right? That have catnip yep. in them that the cat's like, they don't care if you play with them on that or not. And like, Probably before you don't actually, they're just gonna bat it around. All right, so now let's stick with the same criteria: exercise, and go over to dogs. Mm-hmm. All right, dogs, daily walks. Yep. Some breeds need like extended exercise, like they need mm-hmm. to actually run for long periods of time. Yep. As far as exercise goes, most dogs need an interactive toy. You're gonna be throwing something or playing tug of war with them, right? Or
0: they're not gonna be doing independently, like with. Not
1: men. really. Like, they might chew something, but they're not really going to, like, bat something around the way a cat would. Right. Okay. And, you know, plenty of you out there might disagree with us. We're just doing this for an example. So you can put whatever you want in yeah, your, exactly. your and, bed. And that's
0: the, that's the thing. Your kids are going to be doing different things in there also. Yeah. When they start comparing and contrasting things.
1: Right. So if I'm in a classroom, I might have modeled those two for them and yeah. then- depending on how I've picked up on what they're doing with this, I might then say, all right, let's do the next line together. So like the next criteria we're comparing and contrasting on was disposition. Yep. So then I might say to the class, all right, so kids, disposition, right? That's kind of like the personality, whether they're, you know, playful or joyful, how much they, their sociability, um, that's kind of what we mean by disposition. So what kinds of things might we say for cats?
0: For cats, they are... Uh, independent, sleep a lot. Yeah. Tend to be loners.
1: Maybe even dismissive.
0: <laughs> may, maybe even dismissive. So let, let's go with that. And yeah. as opposed to dogs who are, uh, tend to be very social.
1: Very social, very loyal, very loving, demanding of attention.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's one that you just did with the kids together.
1: Right. So then I would say, if I were doing this with the classroom. All right, so our last one was cost. Turn to your partner or at your, your table, fill in this one together. What kinds of things do you wanna say for cost? So what kinds of things might we see them saying for cats? So they're gonna say, you know, food for cats, yep. um, toys, litter, and vet bills, Yep. right? So for dogs, we might say things like uh, food, definitely, maybe grooming, vet bills also, And then we might even get into like what kinds of vet bills and whether the dog or that who's going to have what kinds of vet bills. Okay. So there, now we have filled out our comparison matrix. At this point, you actually add a final column on.
0: Okay. This is getting exciting.
1: It gets exciting. And in the final column, that's where you kind of write just a quick little summary of what you see across the line. Okay. So if we're gonna summarize, so now we go back up and I might pull, I would probably pull the class back together for this part, right? (laughs) All right, so we go back up to that first line, which was um, about exercise. And we write a little summary based on what we see going across the row as far as what, what is true for cats, what is true for dogs. We would start off with something like, you know, both cats and dogs need exercise. Dogs need more exercise that involves the human. Mm -hmm. So then from there, you go down, you kind of fill in all those little summaries, and that's your comparison matrix. Okay. So do you see how how much more detailed and structured this is and gives you clear lines to use for your comparison? Because what happens a lot, we'll use a Venn diagram, and then we ask kids to go do what? Write an essay. Right. When they're using the Venn diagram, they don't have an organizational structure to work from but when you use a comparison matrix, you have the points, right? You have the claims and the points and and the evidence all clearly mapped out, tied to different reasons, tied to different criteria. And it just keeps the thinking much more organized and clear.
0: Yeah. So I'm thinking of kids trying to write an essay from a Venn diagram, as you said that, and imagining what I would do. And I would probably start with, uh, by saying all the things that they are the same at, so that little mm-hmm. intersection, and then dogs are like this, and then cats are like this, and then my essay would be over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're you know, okay. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm thinking now if I write something about that last column, mm-hmm. the comparison matrix, and how much more detail there is there. yes, and and how much how much just more there is.
1: Right. Yeah, there's more information and there's more right. structure. You can even see how writers or learners could... I default to learners I'm talking about... I mean, writers I'm talking about writing. But you could see how learners could then almost go either way with it. Right. right? You could organize your essay or your speech or your project or whatever on criteria, organize it that way. Yep. Or you could organize by item. You could right. organize it that way too. So it just... It, it makes the process of comparing and contrasting just a little bit more um, structured and feasible and actually takes the thinking a little deeper.
0: Yeah. So I'm, as you said that, kids kind of have a choice of how they set it up mm-hmm. rather than kind of being funneled into one really basic way and how to do it. Even though if they're a little bit different, there seems to be like one basic structure. And yeah. in this way, they can do things uh, which allows them to take it in different directions, even though it's the same information as pretty much everyone else, so.
1: Right, and there's a lot of flexibility in how much scaffolding a teacher might give. So we talked through kind of like, I'd say a pretty highly scaffold example, right? We gave all of the the criteria, we gave both of the items. So you can see how you could range from that to a blank one, right? And just saying, compare and contrast two leaders. Go, right. and then the learners have to come up with the criteria. So that there's also so there's also like complexity and growth in the complexity of thinking that can happen with a comparison matrix. Also,
0: well, as the kids get older and they've had more practice with these, you started out this one earlier by basically filling in everything for them at the beginning. Here right. are the criteria. Here right. are the things we're going to talk about. Right. Even you did the entire first thing about exercise. Right. And then you did it together with yep. the next one, yeah, and then you let them talk about what the cost was. Right. So even if those are kindergartners, they know mm-hmm. what dogs and cats are, but yep. you, you've already gotten them to the point in 10 minutes about how to be independent on that. Right. Uh, now, kindergartners probably won't be able to do a blank one right off the bat, and US Not right teachers, off the
1: bat, but eventually they could.
0: Yeah, exactly. So teachers don't start with the blank ones and no, leave it all yeah. open. You know, slowly give that release to them right. as they get a little bit more independent and comfortable with topics they already know. Right. And practice that a few times and you'll know your learners, whether how fast you can go. But as you get to information that they don't know, mm-hmm. this is a great way to, to really introduce that. And, and you're right about that deeper thinking yeah. right off the bat
1: right and then what i think happens sometimes is then i think you'll see learners generating oftentimes even more criteria than you expect them to right right because as you get into it you start to notice oh i could talk about this too or oh this item i brought up you know this piece i brought up in in along this characteristic is actually a separate characteristic so i that's why i really like this tool
0: it sounds like a really good one, except for, you know, Mr. Venn or Mrs. Venn and all their descendants are now shutting out of this off 10 minutes ago.
1: Yeah. Well, so I'm going to throw it out there and say, like, learn about Venn diagrams and how else they can be used and the intention behind them and go crazy with that learning with learners. It's just, it's bigger than compare and contrast. And that's not the ultimate purpose of a Venn diagram.
0: We are looking for better tools all the time. Yeah. And I think a comparison matrix is something that uh, you can start tomorrow in your classroom.
1: Right. The other point I want to make about this, right, the personalized part of this, so I can expect everybody to use the same tool and to be using the same process, but they could have all different content or varying content within within a topic. And so I can still measure the critical thinking of each student along a standardized target rather than using the same content. We just went through how to use a comparison matrix. This is something you could use tomorrow. And if you're looking for a way to bring some holiday celebration in, practice using a comparison matrix with something related to the holidays because they all know that content.
0: It's a great way to start.
1: Learning. Ha ha ha. <laughs> vegetables. hashtag sneaking in the vegetables
0: oh that's a good one (laughs) speaking of hashtags where can you hashtag that one Courtney at us
1: yep hashtag PLEARNMC or at us at PLEARNMC on Twitter I'm at the Lowland C
0: I'm at Eat Sleep Stats
1: you can find us on Facebook also PLEARNMC and
0: our website at PLEARNMC.com you can put stuff on the parking lot
1: absolutely all right we will love next time. We're just known. It doesn't matter what we're known. It doesn't matter what we're known. It doesn't matter what we're known. What we're, known. we're just known.